Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host and I'm a retail transformation specialist. I'm a consultant and an advisor to retailers to help define their ideal operating models and then to take on the complex change and transformation needed to bring those operating models into reality. I believe any company can transform with the right foundations in place and I'm here to help that happen. Thanks for listening today. This one is episode 205, number 205. Now we all know customer insight is important to the retail industry and any given organization. And in particular, we want to gain insight and data into the customer experience. So to help us learn more, I'm delighted to welcome Brian Dennis onto the show. Brian is a globally recognized customer experience expert. He's a keynote speaker and an author, having written two books. Firstly, If the Customer is the Co-Pilot, You're in the Wrong Seat, and Winning at the Front Line, Lessons in Creating the Ultimate Service Environment. Brian Dennis has held a number of roles, particularly senior roles at Albertsons and Coles Department Store, and now he is Global Head of Retail Strategy at True Rating. It's a really interesting conversation coming up, so do enjoy and remember to head over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 205, where you can find out more about Brian and True Rating, as well as sign up for my Retail Transformation Briefing, covering the global headlines from the ever-evolving world of retail, as well as key insight and intel to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of what is happening and how new trends are emerging. Sign up for free over at obandco.uk slash 205. Right, without further ado, let's get into this great conversation. Well, a very warm welcome to you, Brian Dennis. How are you? I'm great, Ali. How are you? I'm excellent and uh, excited for our conversation because it's around a topic that I know we're both very passionate about. That is customer experience. Now, Brian, you know, you're a speaker, an author and all round CX expert, I guess. So how did you get into the topic of customer experience? Yeah, well, well, first off, Ali, thanks for thanks for having me and inviting me to spend some time. I, I really enjoy your, your podcast and the content you produce, and it's, it's a privilege to be here. So thank you. I pr- appreciate that, well, first of all. I appreciate that. It's very kind words. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess my passion for customer experience started at a really early age. I think I was like six years old. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I sent away for a, a seed kit. I was going to sell seed kits in the neighborhood for people's gardens and I started out my door and the first guy I meet is a man named Mr. Groshak. And I don't expect you to know Mr. Groshak, but think old man Marley from Home Alone. Okay. That was Mr. Groshak. Scared all the neighborhood kids. Anyways, he said, hey, kid, what are you doing? I said, I'm selling seeds. He said, I'll buy a pack. And he did. 
Well, fast forward a couple months later, and my brothers and sisters were playing outside. Mr. Groshek yells across the street and says, hey, kid, get over here. And I go over there trembling. And he said, you know those seeds you sold me? They didn't grow. And, and I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I reached my hand into my shorts and I took out this dime because I didn't even know what a refund was at the time, right? But I was scared out of my mind. So I gave him this dime and I put it in his crusty old hand and ran back across the street. Well, fast forward to the following year, I turned seven. I was able to, to uh, get my seed kit and I walk out the door and as luck would have it, gosh darn it, who's the first person I see but Mr. Groshek? <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting him to buy any seeds, but he said, hey, kid, get over here. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm selling seeds again. He said, how many do you got? And I said, I have 100 packs. And he said, you know what, kid, I'll take them all. You know why? I like the way you do business. I like the way you do business. And I remember those words, whether it was little carnivals I did as a youngster or selling hot dogs at the beach at a trailer or even the early part of my retail career. I liked the way you do business. And it taught me to really take care of customers. And when you do, really good things happen because I found myself all of a sudden becoming uh, part of the higher volume stores, which meant my bonus was bigger. And then the real unlock is when I started taking care of associates and you mix taking care of associates along with customers, boy, that's a real powerful mix. So yeah, I guess to answer your question in a long way with a weird story is my passion for CX started at a really young age. Yeah, that really is. And yeah, very entrepreneurial as well, by the way. So kudos to you for that. I have to ask though, Brian, you know, you, you got told, I like the way you do business. Who do you think, actually, I like the way you do business nowadays, particularly in the retail market, I'm thinking? Great question. I really like Sam's Club, which is a membership-based business over here owned by Walmart. And, and I can share a little bit on the why later. Mm. But they're innovating their, their space. So, for example, they've got an ability to purchase on my phone when I'm in their store so I don't have to stop at a checkout. They are enhancing the experience as I journey through the store to recommend items that I've either purchased in the past or are, are items that I bought before. So first one that comes to mind, I guess, is, is Sam's Club. Yeah. That's, uh, I think, doing a really, really nice job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great example. And I think it's interesting when you say first one that comes to mind. Often the first one that comes to mind is a really good answer in my experience. So, yeah, no, thank you for that. So yeah, if, we, if we just step out into the wider retail market right now, Brian, you know, you've, we've got consumers all over the world facing huge financial challenges from sort of inflation and global recession, et cetera, et cetera. There's a huge amount of choice from and of different retailers and potentially quite a bit of discounting that could be coming as, as they feel financial pressure. And all of this uh, increased competition is all, of course, for a smaller share of spend. Lots of disruption, lots of change, but perhaps customer experience or CX can help to differentiate how can retailers think about evolving their operating model to move forward? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, I don't believe there's you know a magic bullet to do that, but I believe there are some things that retailers can do to navigate this, as you mentioned, truly unprecedented time. What really matters for retailers, especially coming out of the pandemic and now with inflation, is consumers are changing, right? And they're changing really fast. And retailers need to be in this constant listening mode with their, with their customers. You know, it was interesting to listen to Starbucks COO John Culliver last week say that it's clear their physical stores have to change. Their physical stores were built for a different era. And you don't think of Starbucks stores as being outdated. 
But he's right. Think about it. The drive-through makes up 50% of their sales today in the U.S. Wow. And delivery has grown by 24% this year alone. You know, even their product mix has changed. Cold drinks. Think about it. Cold drinks make up 75% of Starbucks U.S. beverage orders. And it's really taxing their employees in the kitchen. The kitchens weren't set up for that. Mm. It's taking the customers longer to get their drinks. And the employees there are incredibly frustrated because they don't have the tools to make the drink correctly. And in addition, they've got staffing challenges and their employee morale is at an all-time low. So Starbucks is a good example because they're listening to their employees and the company is now focusing on benefits. They're including more flexible scheduling and they're even expanding the ability for customers to tip at mobile, right? So think mm. about you know the little jar on the counter doesn't exist at, at, at the mobile components. So yeah. they're incorporating a way for customers to be able to tip more. You know, in the, in the same spirit of listening, you know, at True Rating, we found, you know, 65% of consumers compare prices when they shop. But that doesn't mean, you know, retailers should immediately turn to cost cutting. Our data also shows that it's not about a race to the bottom on price or deep discounting or even cutting staff. Mm. Rather, retailers need to focus on and, and talk much more about product quality, product benefits, unique selling points to convince customers to continue to visit stores. And by the way, getting that extra item in the basket, it's not going to be easy, right? They are going to have to be better merchandise than ever before. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, buy online, pick up in store, customers are only coming in for exactly what they need. So the thing is this, you know, this COVID, Ali, I think has taught consumers how to be more thoughtful and informed. Inflation just gives them a reason to kind of continue doing it. <laughs> yeah. But we know consumers are shopping around more before making purchases. In fact, we've seen a 10% increase versus kind of that same pre-inflationary period. We've also seen consumers' likelihood to shop with a list, right? They're walking into the store with a list, grow at 9% in grocery alone, which leads to a 15% savings. And that margin is coming out of one place, right? It's coming out of the retailer's bottom line. So yeah. these shopping lists directly impact impulse sales. I, I think another key is to better listen to your customers and then inform them. And, and that sounds like a no-brainer, right? But but the ability to be able to do that and, and be able to listen to them better is, is incredibly important. So I guess I would tell retailers, focus on listening, communicating unique value, focus on differentiating the experience, and then execute on it. You know, our recent study we did showed 77% of customers are loyal to retailers that share the same values, you know, and that's so incredibly important. You know, I mentioned Sam's Club, right? A retailer that I'm, I'm pretty happy about. I got a postcard and you can't obviously see it. I got a postcard in the mail on <laughs> This past Saturday, and it, and it said, hey, dear valued member, we kept club membership prices the same for nine years and plus the same, which is what I belong to, since 1999, as we added more services and experience. Starting October 17th, your annual membership will update from 100 to 110. To help with this change and offset this increase, we'll give you $10 in Sam's cash. We'll add it to your membership account for you to make it easy, right? So that's a that's that, that that's a retailer I value mm. because you know listen they haven't raised their membership price in 23 years and they wrote re reached out to us in advance to say hey this is what we're going to do and this is why we're doing it and we think you'll find value because you're getting all these things from us right versus me walking into the store saying okay your membership fee went up ten dollars without that same visibility so I think when retailers can have a similar value as their as their consumers and communicate it that way it's a powerful powerful tool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned a couple of different data points there, which I'm sure has got people's ears pricked up. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic that you're now with True Rating as well, who 
I've been aware of for a couple of years, really adding a load of disruption into the customer feedback space and in terms of that sort of listening piece that you were just talking about. And why don't we just get everyone onto the same page, Brian? Do you want to just describe a little bit about who True Rating are and what they do? Yeah, yeah. So a, a True Rating for us, it's really about taking kind of this very complex data and, and simplifying it. How we think about it is we ask simply one question at the payment device or, or pin pad before a customer submits payment. And of course, there are different questions for different customers, right? And that could be based on what's in their basket, or if they're a loyalty member, or a host of different segmentation options the, the retailer could, could choose. And questions can be anything as long as we can tie it back to an action. We are incredibly diligent, passionate about being able to action against the questions we ask, because it doesn't do you any good if you can ask a question and you can't do anything with it. So, uh, you know, uh, something online lines of, could you please rate the product from one to nine? Or could you please rate the service you received? Or was the cashier friendly? Yes or no? And we can tie that back to time of day, day a week. Uh, and because it's in the moment, uh, Ollie and, and McKinsey validates it's 40% more accurate than asking somebody a question after the event. We have this remarkable take rate where our customers uh, take about 80% of the surveys, right? And compare that to traditional, you know, email or <laughs> e-received e e surveys, which is 1% to 3%, 80% is, is, is crazy, right? And because of the volume you can get, you can actually get that in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. And by the way, every time a customer completes a rating, we donate to a, a, a children's charity. So it, it's, it, there's a, a feel-good element to this as well. That then feeds to a merchant website where they can see the results, again, by store, by district, by region, by time of day, by day of week, however they decide to, to chop up that, that data or utilize it. And it's all real time. So what's really cool to see on our side is we have a lot of retail clients using it to test and learn, right? Mm. Such as new store layouts, merchandising concepts, even, even staffing adjustments and being able to ask different questions by, by time of day. We then have a, a second feed that goes to the consumer's uh, recommendation websites where they can get access to, to ratings that they can truly trust because it was based off a purchase that was made. And we tie it back to the purchase. The, I mean, just think of it this way. Every time a customer takes a in-store one-question survey on the pin pad, again, about 80%, that gets pushed to their social ratings platform, which has proven to drive positive sentiment, right? We know that. And our ratings create this social proof and link back to the retailer's website to enhance their SEO strategy. And what's crazy to think about, Ali, is true rating will actually have more online ratings than Google by the end of this year. So it's pretty powerful and the amount of data and ratings that we can collect. Wow, that is really phenomenal when you think about it versus Google, right? So you're getting lots of these small pieces of feedback, one question per customer or per transaction, I guess. How robust is the data? Because you could easily say, well, I don't really get a full picture of the customer from one particular rating. Does it, does it tell a full picture? Yeah, and I think the, the robustness comes from the amount of data that we can collect and being able to tie it back to either what the customer had in their basket or being able to tie it back to what was happening in the store at that time. It's, it's pretty powerful. And I wish you had a two-hour podcast because I'd walk it through the different <laughs> case studies that we, get, that we have done that kind of show the examples of, of how you can utilize this, this vast amount of, of, of information because it's, it, it is so powerful because we know when it's taken and we know what it's taken with. 
Okay, so folks, if you want a two-hour podcast, then you know what to do. Reach out, let me know, and we'll, we'll set it up. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to ask about true rating is it's, it's at the terminal, the payment terminal. But if you are a person that is not buying today and you have been disappointed about whatever, you're going to walk out without paying. Do you, do you not miss all of that feedback, which is really, I guess, missing trade as well? What do you say? Yeah, so there's there's different segments that measure those pieces in terms of customers that leave the store w- without paying. Mm-hmm. We are focused and dialed in on the customer that does pay, right? And focused in on the, 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 the customer that we have an ability to measure in terms of they were in your store, they took the time to spend and what they spent on and, and how we can measure that experience. So, well, I think there's others out there that kind of measures that non-purchasing customer that's not the space that we play in we are all about the customer that actually did buy something in your store and then how do we increase business with that customer yeah that makes sense and i guess it kind of harks back to your uh, seed business as well right where you're looking at customers that have already been a, a customer and they've become a loyal customer because of the way you have done business yeah, exactly so given all of this wealth of data that you and true rating are collecting what do you know about what retailers and other customer facing businesses, hospitality businesses, et cetera, need to do today to be successful? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things they can focus on and, and truly focus on is listening to their customers by collecting data mm-hmm. that is meaningful and more importantly, actionable, right? And when I say that, I don't mean get a whole bunch more data and that'll solve your, your problems, right? That's That's not how it works. Retailers have Plenty of data. In fact, they're overloaded with it. It's actually too much. And because of that, they don't know what to do with it all. And it becomes really difficult to action against. You know, I I like to say the measurement should drive the improvement and the measurement in motion, meaning it's always changing because your customer is changing, right? Let let me give you an example, Ali. I I was in a room with a large retailer and I asked one of the execs in there, how much data do you have? And he proudly said, you know, millions and millions of data points, even kind of Prouded out his chest yep. a little bit when he said it. Really <laughs> proud of him. And then I asked him, well, how many points of discovery did you derive from that data? What did you learn that you didn't know before? And he said, we kind of just put these reports together based on the, the data. We really don't do much with mm. it. And by the end of the conversation, it was pretty apparent that the data, it, it didn't tell them what they didn't already know. It didn't tell them they needed to be friendlier at the register. They, they knew that. It didn't tell them they were turning associates too fast. They, they already knew that. And what I discovered with all this data they had in front of them, it was more uh, more validation, very few discoveries to drive mm. better service experience. And I, and I turned back to the gentleman and I said, well, just give me one significant transformation. Over five years and tens of millions of data points where you made a decision and shifted the business using the data. Mm. And, he, and he kind of paused and he said, I, I can't give you one. That's, that's why wow. you're here to help us. Right. So I guess retailers, CX measurement programs, they, they need to innovate further to remain relevant and, and, and effective. The data must, it, it must improve the behavior, the tool or da- dashboard. It, it just has to create better experience. And if it doesn't do that, it's not worth measuring. Yeah. I, firstly, I totally agree with you. And secondly, I think it's a really interesting, interesting point. Thinking about using data to, to make a discovery, as you just say, what sort of tips or advice do you have so that you don't fall into the same trap, you know, and you've got a load of true rating data, for example, that tells you that service is important or something equally sort of mundane and unactionable? 
Yeah. So we sit down with that with our clients and really spend a lot of time going through what is it? What are their what are, what are they trying to accomplish? What's their vision? Where, where what is the roadmap they're trying to get to? Mm. And we help them with that. And we also create the questions based on where they're trying to go so we can uh, measure this path that they're on. And and since it's real time, Ollie, it's it, it's a pretty upfront tool that that allows them to really understand are you succeeding on this path you're on and if you're not we probably need to make some course corrections and by the way we'll we'll measure that as well and let's understand what what that experience is looking like so it's continually evolving it's continually knowing where it is you want to go and then developing the questions with an action against it of course so you can understand better uh, if you're succeeding there or not yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense I'd like to take a bit of a pivot in the conversation, Brian, if I may. Thinking about your certainly your book and in your your talking, etc. I know you're very passionate about the difference between a satisfied customer and a highly satisfied or very satisfied customer. Tell us more. Yeah, great question. So, well, there, there are a lot of customers that may like the way you do business, but if they like you, that doesn't mean they love you, mm. right? And, you know, we, we know uh, most recent study, 86% of customers that are satisfied or even very satisfied will defect the competition in the retail world. So think about that. Customers, I'm okay with your business or I'm very okay with your business. We'll choose elsewhere in the retail world unless they're a highly satisfied customer. And it's not just retail. Satisfaction scores in the auto industry, they average 85 to 95%. Yet only 40% of customers buy their next vehicle from that same dealer, yeah. right? So I like to say, unless you're playing in the highly satisfied box, there really is there really is no loyalty. And as I mentioned earlier, most retailers hear from a tiny sample size, right? Typically 1% to 3% of their customers. The other 95%, right, is your greatest opportunity to move from a satisfied customer to a highly satisfied one. It's it's measuring these non-outliers, is, which is what we do through the amounts of data that we have, right? So, and it's incredibly important as our most recent research validates that these highly satisfied customers, they'll visit your store more often. Mm. So while spend goes up slightly, highly satisfied customers will definitely visit your store more more often. So I like to say, Ali, that average equals satisfied and satisfied means nothing in terms of loyalty. Yeah. But the good okay. news is sometimes an experience can start out as satisfied, right? And it can move to highly satisfied by just doing some simple things, just doing some simple things. We had a repairman come come out and visit our house and he was supposed to fix a, an appliance. But when, when we was done, he did something that brought me to this highly satisfied box. So he showed up on time. I was satisfied. He had the right part. I was satisfied. But then he ra- went around and checked all the filters on our appliances and he changed them for no price, at no price. And, he, and clearly at the dentist household, we haven't changed our filters in a while because he goes, <laughs> do you know you have to filters? In your refrigerator. And of course, my wife wasn't home. So I hung her out to dry and said, oh, she takes care of all that. And there'll be a conversation when she gets home tonight. Uh, but but I was highly satisfied by what he did. And if I had to get an appliance fixed again, I would call him back. And the nice thing with highly satisfied customers is they're much more forgiving. So if he was late, a little bit late on the next time, mm. I'd probably be okay with that because he was such an amazing, such an amazing repairman. So yeah. So I, I like to describe it as kind of the difference between like like and love, right? And there's proof, there's proven reason why your highly satisfied customers will visit you more often. They spend more with you and they refer you to others, right? Yep. They're three times more likely to visit with you. So I guess in a time of word of mouth is everything and, and huge, that's why we're so focused on kind of helping measure that these non-outlier experiences to help 
move satisfied customers to highly satisfied. So mm. the great news is retailers should be excited about it is because many of their customers, I suspect, fall into that satisfied bucket. So there's a lot of financial benefit to be able to move them to that to that ultimate experience. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, thinking about where we are right now, we've got peak trading just around the corner. 2023 looks like it's going to be an important year for, for many businesses as well. What's the number one tip that you have perhaps to, to make more highly satisfied customers, something more, more tangible that people could go away and, and get started on? What, what are your thoughts? Wow, one tip, huh? <laughs> I guess I would, I would direct them to be incredibly prepared, prepared for the business that's going to come their way. This holiday season will be longer than ever with consumers shopping earlier than before. The, the good news is this levels out those large spikes they normally see for those top 10 selling days. So take advantage of that. You know, as the stores get busier, standards tend to drop, right? We know that. Yet customers' expectations, those, those don't change. So even preparing to manage a growing number of returns, right, which continues this steady rise in retailers, whether it's getting the merchandise back to the sales floor or sent back to the DC, returns can bring a retailer to their knees if not staffed properly or the systems aren't in place or their team isn't properly you know, trained. Mm. You know, staffing for holiday is going to be a challenge. So think outside the box and differentiate why someone would want to work for you, right? I saw an example the other day at a restaurant chain here in the States, Ollie, where they're now paying their associates the day after they work. So okay. instead of having to wait seven to 10 days to get your paycheck, they're actually paying these their, their associates the next day, right? So they're differentiating why you may want to work at their restaurant versus somewhere else you're going to get your, your pay. So I guess I, yeah. I would tell you being prepared so you can take full advantage when the increased traffic does come this, this holiday season, probably my one tip. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Brilliant. Well, it's been a, a fantastic conversation, Brian. How can people find out more about you, more about True Rating, more about your thinking? Yeah, I mean, certainly go to truerating.com or you can reach out to me via uh, LinkedIn or, or at my email address, uh, brian.dennis at truerating.com. I spend most of my day talking to retailers and those that manage CX programs. So yeah, please feel free just to say hi or you, or you hated me on this podcast, whatever. <laughs> I love I love feedback as, as well. But yeah, truerating.com and come check us out. Well, I've, I've loved having you on the podcast. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, look forward to diving in in the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that, Ali. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. Great to catch up with Brian Dennis there. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, here are three additional episodes to listen to next. First up, check out episode 156, number 156, called The Many Changing Facets of Retail. And in particular, it included reflections after hearing True Rating CEO Georgina Nelson speaking at Retail Week Live. So episode 156. Also, check out episode 161, number 161, called Forging a Customer Complaint Strategy. I enjoyed talking to Helen Dudney about this other side of customer experience that perhaps we don't tend to think about too much. And as Brian said, it is possible to turn an unhappy customer around into a promoter. And then finally, check out episode 97 with Martin Newman, the consumer champion and 
one of the leading voices in customer experience. And together, Martin and I were talking about customer-centric cultures. Another fab episode, so do check that one out. You'll find the links to all of those over on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 205. And a quick reminder to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Retail Transformation Show today. I appreciate your support and I appreciate you sharing the good word about the podcast to your colleagues, to your contacts and to your friends. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in another episode very soon. Bye for now.